Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. And thanks for joining us today. For those of you listening, Ann Dolan is a innovator in the virtual learning space. She's also the author of Homework Made Easy, Made Simple. Excuse me. She's the founder and president of Educational Connection. Welcome, Ann Dolan. Thank you so much, Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. Um, I like to just jump right in with the the. The interesting questions, you know, you've been a, a leader around the Washington, D.C. area and across the U.S. for many years. Um, any misconceptions around leadership and entrepreneurship that you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. Well, <laughs> where should I start? There are so many. I think in my field, um, I work with a lot of professionals in the education field. So they're psychologists, they're um, pediatricians, they're therapists, and they bill by the hour. So they often think that somebody who has their own business and has multiple people working under them has a completely flexible lifestyle and doesn't have to work as much. Don't, and they don't have to worry about billable hours. It couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I found that when I was in the startup mode and just getting ramped up, I was working a tremendous amount of hours, 60, 70 hours per week. It was stifling. And although <laughs> there may have been a perception that life is easy at the top, it, it rarely is. That's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, working with kids and tutoring and the, the people that are involved in that industry. Clearly, nowadays, that has been flipped upside down. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing with the virtual world and, and dealing with the pandemic and how you're handling your students and 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 the, the community that you're supporting? Sure, you know, when everything, when our lives were transformed in March of 2020, um, it really had a significant, significant impact on my business. For 20 years, over 20 years, in fact, my tutors went to students' homes and worked directly with kids in a one-to-one -one model, sitting next to them. And at that time, when we had to go virtual, I was just petrified and thinking, oh my gosh, some of these kids, they can't stay focused with somebody sitting next to them. What is it going to be like online? But actually it turned out to be just fine. And what we realized over time is that it wasn't necessarily the medium for delivery of instruction via online. It was really the, um, feeling of being heard and developing that relationship was so important. So when kids were in a Zoom room with 25 or 30 kids, it was a disaster. Like it just, it rarely worked. However, one-to-one, -one, it turned out to be just fine. And the kids were focused, they were motivated, they wanted to learn. Um, they were willing to share with us far more because they were in pain a lot um, than they had even sitting next to them. So we found that not only were we, were we an educational resource for kids, but we also became kind of like quasi-therapists listening to their concerns and um, really just being a good listener in, in addition to a tutor was what was really helpful to our students. Certainly, certainly. And, and as a parent of, of two young kids, you know, mine are nine and 12, um, any insights for 
the parenting side of that? Because I think this is something that that we're going to be dealing with for the long term, right? I mean, this is, to your point, uh, a medium that has been discovered uh, that can be successful, um, but I also have seen it at home where it's difficult for a second grader to sit there at the computer and take instruction when they're a click away from YouTube or TikTok or some other um, distraction. Um, any insights or thoughts for, for how to parent through that? A couple of things. One is a setup. So if your children are on virtual learning in a group, you're in that you have a young child in elementary school, it's going to turn out better if you're just within earshot. And as a hassle that might be, really kids are going to just need a little bit of oversight because of their age. So often, you know, parents will say, go up to your room and work in your room, but that doesn't work well for young kids. The bedroom is inherently distracting. Um, we see that a lot with older kids too. You know, they do homework in their room. I call them Super Bowl kids. You know, you watch the Super Bowl, it's on for four hours, but they play the game for an hour. And we see that with students too. They might say, oh, I'm doing work in my room, but they really aren't. They're distracted. They're getting very little done. So especially for young kids, being in within earshot of the parent is really helpful. And the other thing, and probably more importantly, that parents can do is just to kind of dial back the worries that they feel, everybody is just super stressed out about their kids' progress. You know, especially if you're in the public school system and you've been in and out of school, parents are worried that their kids are behind. Um, and it's true that they probably are, but if we can notice the good things that our kids do and kind of, I guess, you know, change a narrative and in terms of, oh, my child's behind, they don't know this or they don't know that, find the good things that they're doing and give yourself a 30 day challenge. So for 30 days, once a day, just find one good thing your child is doing. And it doesn't have to relate to school. Oh, I love the way you got up in the, this morning and you came straight down for breakfast. That's awesome. Oh, I can tell you started on your homework without any reminders. Oh, I love the way you put your, that, your coat on the hook. It can be anything but making a point to notice good things kids are doing, they'll repeat those. But if we all, if we're focused on what they can't do or what we're worried about, kids will over time start to avoid us. Um, they won't wanna engage in dialogue with us. And that sets a trajectory in the wrong direction that nobody wants. Yeah, I could certainly certainly see that and apply that at home for sure. Um, you know, switching back to business and you know, you, you've, run a successful business for, for many years now. Um, any secret sauce or tips or tricks or, you know, insights or, or comments on how you've kept sort of the mojo over the years? From, from loving what I do and, and really loving kids and parents and education. Um, I wake up every morning and I'm, I feel grateful to be able to do this work and to be able to um, impact families. And I, I love the education side, but I also love the business side of it. And I really enjoy strategizing with my staff and thinking about our next move and how we can improve services, what we can do differently to serve families. Um, so I guess just, I've always had an internal motivation to be better than the day before. Um, but also EO has played a huge role and my success, and it, you know, actually I wasn't always very successful. I was always a really good 
teacher. I was a public school teacher and I was a really great tutor. Um, but I was a terrible business person until I got my first consultant, a fellow named Eric Cohen out of New Jersey. And he had worked with some other education practices. And, um, you know, when he first started working with me, he said, first of all, you need to stop treating this business like a hobby. You have employees mm -hmm. that have benefits and you pay payroll taxes. And, and this really can't be something that you're good at and it's fun for you. It, it really is a business and you need to treat it in a more professional manner. And he said, and you also need others around you that are as motivated and, and think big um, and can lead you in a further path to success because you're going you're gonna to stall out the way you're going. And he said, why don't you join EO? And I looked at the website and I'm like, oh, Eric, no way. You know, at the time it was like $4,000. I'm like, oh, I can't afford that. That's too expensive. He's like, you can afford it and you're going to do this. And I never looked back. It was the best business decision I ever made. I joined, I, um, I joined like the next week. I joined a forum probably two weeks later and um, it's been life-changing for me. That's uh, that's very insightful. Um, you you just mentioned your conversation with Erica about uh, finding the right people that are motivated and energizing um, to join you and your team. Did EO help you with that mindset, or help you find or interview differently when you're looking to build your management team or your organization? Yes, my forum certainly did. I remember um, Luke Chung, who I think you've also interviewed for this podcast. Yeah. He was um, in my forum and one day I came in and like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I'm doing this and that. And, you know, I'm running all over the place. He's like, man, okay, I'm going to tell you one thing. Do not take homework. I'm like, what? He said, don't do homework. If you're in a meeting with your staff and there's something to do, don't take it on yourself, which I was doing, you know, I was still doing a lot of the work. Like you've got to empower other people to do other work. So with the help of my forum over time, I came to realize, you know, I was jumping in way too much and I needed to stop micromanaging and, and allow others to take on more responsibility. I also at that time had a long-term plan that when my youngest son was in college, when he went off to college, I wanted to be able to just be on a periphery and not be in the middle of my business. I wanted other people to run my business and I wanted to help with strategy, help with you know whatever, what I'm good at. And one of the things I love doing is um, public speaking and, and presentations at schools and teacher training. I wanted to do that and I didn't want to do the minutia. And so really over time, going to different learning events with the help of my forum, um, other people that I met along the way, other consultants I had recommended by EO, I started on this path of how can I empower others and take a step back. And so when my son did go off to college, I was able, um, at that time, I started spending more time in Florida. And now actually we're residents of Florida, even though I still have a house in Virginia. <laughs> Which today it at 24 degrees, it sounds amazing, and, and snow around the corner, but we can get into that that later. Um, and you, you certainly have an, an excitement around your business and around the industry that you're that you're in. Um, what's exciting for you for the next three to five years within your business, and then also in the industry in general? 
Well, my business has completely changed. You know, as I mentioned, it was all in home, which was limiting by geographic area. So we served DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And that's really all our capacity was. But now that the business is online and we made um, a decision to keep it online because it's easier to run, we're able to um, take geography out of the equation. So we're actually able to get a better student tutor match because we don't have to worry about where people live. Um, and then scheduling is easier. We found too that although, for example, working with a high school student, um, although working with them once a week was helpful, say an hour and a half session, we found that it was actually far better for the student when we took that hour and a half and divided it up into two 45 minute sessions or even three half hour sessions. But it was actually the frequency that mattered more than anything else. And so um, those changes have been significant in our business. Now we're able to see kids outside of our geographic area and we see kids across the country now, obviously not, certainly not to the degree we see students in Virginia, which is where our main office is, but um, it's, it's allowed us to help students that we would have never been able to help even just a couple of years ago. Sure, sure. And then on, on the business side, are there different tools that you're using that you weren't using, I guess, in the, the pre-virtual world that, that are helping you, one, manage your business, right? Communicate amongst your staff and amongst your tutors or and or just the general management within your business? Like, how are the tools changing for you as the president and CEO of this business as your community is also evolving? Well, we found that, you know, initially when we went online, we had tutors that, especially our older tutors that work with younger kids, they were doing things like, you know, holding up a worksheet instead of sharing their screen. Um, they were, they didn't know how to use technology effectively. The, the younger ones tended to be more adept at it, but we had to do a complete retraining of all of our tutors. Mm -hmm. And the beginning was to use all of the elements of Zoom correctly. But over time, it's become the use of interactive whiteboards. It's you know, one subject that's a little bit harder to help kids with is math, but that's actually not the case anymore because there are so many new, um, especially on the iPad features that allow you to teach math just like you would sitting next to the student. So we've had continual training for our tutors to use the best technology um, to impart learning. And then the tutors that didn't want to, you know, we did, frankly, have some that said, you know, I don't want to learn this. And they just weren't a match for the direction the company was going. So they exited. And then we brought in new people that um, love teaching online. Have you struggled to find teachers and tutors that, that want to adapt no. to that? No, really. We, we did. So we always, this was our bottleneck for 20 years, you know, finding enough qualified tutors that were willing to travel to kids' homes throughout DC, especially when traffic's a nightmare. Now it is so different. Um, we have far more tutors applying than we can accept. Um, we're able to get people across the country that are amazing instructors and phenomenal educators and they're tremendous motivators. So that hasn't at all been an issue for us, even though I know hiring is an issue for most businesses. And it's really because people want to work online. Um, I've also seen a tremendous change in um, 
where people are coming from, it used to be tutors, um, you know, would just tutor a little bit on the side, but now if they want to leave the teaching profession and do something different or teach online. Um, we've also decided with some new consultants that we have not to hire hourly type tutors anymore. So we don't hire people that can just work, you know, a few hours a week and take a few students. Now they're all salary tutors. Um, so when they come on with us, they're required to work X amount of hours a week and they get a salary. And that's Absolutely. allowed us to bring in really top quality people because they like that they're getting a salary instead of just getting paid hourly, which can be inconsistent. Sure. And I suspect they feel much more part of the team in that sort of environment versus, you know, just punching the clock and sending in your time card. They do. Um, you know, probably about eight years ago, we converted all of our tutors who at the time they were 1099s, they were independent contractors to employees. And, and that made them just being employees, us taking care of their taxes, that was better for them. But this is a whole new level of great and they love it. And we've just had tremendous success with it. So we're gonna continue on with the model of salary tutors. Wonderful. Well, I, I wish you all the success in that. I'd, I'd love to know and hear you talk about who Ann Dolan is. Talk to us about where you grew up, how you got into, tutoring and education. Take us a little bit of down the path of, of what got you here. Well, I always wanted to be a teacher. It started when I was in elementary school and at this family across the street adopted two girls from um, Korea and they were two and four. They spoke no English. And I'm like, oh, no English. This is fabulous. I'll teach them how to speak English. So every day after school, they came over to my house and I would make little worksheets for them. I taught them about all the American holidays. Um, I taught them about, you know, how to have a little conversation, basic adjectives, nouns, verbs. And I would make worksheets for them. I created this whole library in one of my closets where I went to the library and they gave me the, those little pocket pouches that used to have in the back of the books. And um, I put them in all my books. I bought the new books and they could check out a different book every day. And it was just like my calling in life. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So how, how old were you then? I was probably around 11. Wow. And um, <laughs> funny enough, I was like not a good student myself. <laughs> I just barely got through high school. I thought it was just onerous, boring. It wasn't my thing. Um, the saving grace though was my, even though I grew up in a very small town of Florida, my mom was smart enough to get me a tutor. So math had always been difficult for me. And so she got me this tutor, Mr. Rogo, who was phenomenal. And he really transformed my thinking about math from hating it to, to thinking, actually, it's not so bad at all. And, and I understand this. So I had a really good experience with tutoring, um, actually in middle and high school. And so when I went off to college, um, I my parents were concerned that I wouldn't make it. but this was my, I, I loved it actually. And I partially loved it because I was able to do what I wanted. I was an education major. And I noticed that I could start to predict what teachers would put on exams. And so I started around campus to form these little study groups. And I would teach kids my method, like, okay, this is how you create a study guide. This is how you teach yourself to prepare for exams. And, um, 
And I just thought I was onto something, you know, I, I enjoyed doing it. And so when I became a teacher um, in my classes, I would not just teach like, okay, these, this is the rock cycle. We're having a test. I would show the kids. All right. And this is how you study for your test. I'm going to give you a study guide. This is how you correctly use the study guide. And I found that that approach teaching, like kind of learning how to learn approach was far better for my students than what I had started doing initially, which was just giving them a study guide. Um, and so after, you know, being in the classroom, I had started to tutor on the side and um, I drove to kids' houses after school and would tutor them. And I just loved it. And it was then that I realized, actually, this is my next calling in life. Um, helping kids one-to-one. And although I love my teaching job, I love this more. I love getting to know the kids at an intimate level. I loved their parents. I loved helping their parents. And so I quit my job. I took a leap of faith and um, I started a tutoring business. That's awesome. Any, uh, any personal hobbies or interests that you care to share? I love to work out. I really enjoy fitness. I, um, have I probably have done about 10 sprint triathlons in the last year and I just signed up for a half marathon half Ironman in wow. May, which I'm excited about that. Which one? Um I've played soccer a lot um as a child and then as an adult. And um, actually next week I'm going to London for a Premier League soccer tour. We're going to four Premier League games with um, a club out of Northern Virginia that arranges trips. Which games are you seeing? Now you've got me very interested. <laughs> We're seeing Chelsea, Arsenal, oh. Tottenham. Um, who else are we seeing? I think Manchester City. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I did that years ago. Um, my team's Liverpool, but we won't get into that right now. Um, so yeah, and one final question. So what advice would you give a graduating Ann Dolan today knowing what you know and the experiences you've had and the business that you've built and the industry that you're in, if you were going back two years and, and speaking to her at graduation, what would you, what advice would you give her? I would say continue to work hard. You know, um, hard work is really the, the key to success, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm never the smartest person in the room, but um, I will always work harder than the next person. So I'd say, you know, work ethic is key. Um, also in education, I think when you go into teaching, you kind of think that's all I can do. Like my skills aren't transferable, but your skills are completely transferable. And there's actually a huge sector in education of private businesses. And it's huge right now. I mean, the mental health and wellness and education have been impacted so significantly during this pandemic that you can basically write your ticket to anything that you want to do in education, which is very different than it was three years ago. So there's new opportunities out there that were never there before. That's fascinating. Um, so if anyone in our audience is curious to find you, what, so what's your preferred social media platform? Well, we have a website and that's ectutoring.com for educational connections tutoring. And email is the best way to reach me. And my email is ann at ectutoring.com. Awesome. So social media, I know I should be better at this. <laughs> Somebody that does that for me. So I, 
I can't say that I'm um, great with social media, but we do have a um, pretty big Facebook presence, which is where most of our parents are. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Anne. Thank you for taking the time today to chat with us. Um, your content is very, very timely. And I know our audience who, those that are like me that are dealing with home front, education front, work front, you know, you've, you've got a lot of insights into many different components that um, are at the forefront right now. So I appreciate you making the time to be with us today. Thanks so much, Greg. To wrap, my friends, thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.